Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody at home. For the last few months, I've been doing this series on um, the life of the Buddha and the core teachings, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. And we're um, on the end of it, the eight, Eightfold Path, eight, Eighth Factor of the Eightfold Path uh, tonight, which is concentration. And so I'm going to talk about the difference between mindfulness and concentration meditations and the importance of concentration and um, and also how it's not that important and uh, all of that tonight. How are you at uh, concentrating? You don't have just to reflect on it. Do you, do you feel like you're, when you set your mind to focus on something, you can pay attention for it? to it for a while and meditation you start to see like how much can I keep my awareness with the sensations of my breath before the awareness wanders into something else when you're trying to focus one of the um, ways to analyze your own ability to concentrate and this is my question for you to you know talk a little bit with each other about which is when you're reading uh, how many sentences, paragraphs, pages, can you generally sit down and read uh, before your attention wanders and you start thinking about something else and you have to come back and read it over or you kind of get lost, you know, you know that feeling. Um, one of the reasons I say that is because one of the teachers that I like, um, you know, because there's a lot of emphasis in, in Buddhism of, of concentrating so much that you get absorbed and uh, all kinds of weird and wonderful things happen that you're so concentrated. Um, but Ajahn Chah's feeling was you only need to be about as concentrated as it takes to read. Which for most, we're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm usually concentrated enough to read a few paragraphs. And, um, but sometimes, you know, I, I have that experience. I read all of the time. I love to read. And sometimes my mind is so busy and I'm not concentrated enough that I have to read that same sentence over and over. I, I'm, my attention is drawn away from I'm not even concentrated enough to fully digest a paragraph. And sometimes I'm quite focused and I can read pages and just get completely absorbed in and concentrated in what I'm reading. Um, so that's one of the ways to, to look at yourself. Now, there's no, um, no judgment here. You know, some of you are probably really good at concentrating and there can be a shadow actually to using concentration as what we call a spiritual bypass where you're using your concentration superpowers to avoid reality <laughs> losing yourself in books all of the time and not really dealing with life so concentrated concentration can be an avoidance some of you not so good at concentrating adhd all over the place mind wandering um and it's hard to concentrate doesn't mean that uh, you can't benefit from meditation and that part of what we're doing in meditation, there's that image, that classic image of um, the untrained mind is like a monkey, a wild monkey swinging to the future and swinging to the past. And that part of what we're doing in meditation is taming the monkey mind. And part of that is learning to concentrate. And um, I do think that people who gen uh, genuinely have like ADHD and attention deficit and, and it, it's harder to concentrate. And that's actually that mindfulness is a better practice than concentration for all of us in general. Mindfulness is, you know, the core solution of Buddhism. Um, but some amount of concentration can be really useful when joined with mindfulness and that mindfulness and concentration are very different connected but different 
So introduce yourself to some people, partially just to build Sangha and talk about, you know, your own assessment of your concentration and how does that play out in meditation? How often you're having to come back to the object that you're trying to pay attention to. So uh, introduce yourselves to some folks and then at home, I'll put you guys in breakout rooms. Probably a lot of us are um, basically practicing concentration and calling it mindfulness. Concentrating on the breath as the primary object and trying to ignore your mind, trying to ignore the past and future and have a, a single pointed uh, awareness of the breath is not really, we call it mindfulness of breathing, but it's really concentrating because mindfulness by definition is much more inclusive. When your attention wanders from the breath then you're just mindful of where your attention has gone into thinking, into remembering, into um, hearing or a different sensation in the body. But for the practice practical um, tonight, uh, try to be strict about your awareness of the breath. And rather than going into the second foundation or third foundation or letting your attention be drawn elsewhere, just keep coming back to the breath, do a kind of somewhat, um, I don't want to maybe strict feels too rigid. It's a relaxed, but um, persistent effort to be with, am I breathing in or am I breathing out? And I'll give some instructions around that. So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed. Settling into the body, releasing any tension that can be released. Bringing a conscious attitude of acceptance, of friendliness to your mind, to your body, your heart. And then direct your awareness to the breath, letting everything else be in the background. The thoughts, the other sensations, sounds. Focused attention, concentrated awareness on the sensations of the breath. So choose one place, the nostrils or perhaps the belly and give it your full attention as you investigate the changing sensations that are associated with breathing in and breathing out. It can help to note in and out with each breath silently in your mind. Or you could Experiment with counting the breath. Start on the out breath, breathing out one, breathing in two. Breathing out three, count the breath to eight or 10, and then back down, breathing out nine, breathing in eight. That can show you what level of concentration it can help you gather the attention, focus. 
gives the mind something to do other than plan and remember the task of tracking, of counting. Remember to have a relaxed effort when the attention wanders, just acknowledge it, thinking, and then gently return to the breath. Start over, start the counting or the noting. Just reading that sentence over. Come back, begin again.
Finding your own inner balance between gentleness and acceptance. And structure and effort. Don't want to be too uptight about yanking the attention or being rigid about it but also don't want to be too relaxed so that you become complacent and you're just off thinking about other things. Keep coming back to the breath. Keep disengaging from the content of the mind, returning Focused attention to the sensations the breath creates. 
one of the other main concentration techniques that we practice are the heart practices. So you could continue to be with the breath or you could choose to shift to loving kindness, beginning to focus on the phrases, may I be happy, may I be at ease, may I be free from suffering. Slowly but consistently saying these phrases over and over in your mind. Concentrating the mind on loving kindness. May I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be free from suffering. And again, finding your own pace and rhythm, phrases that resonate. And when the mind starts thinking about something else, replace that thought with the meta phrase, the loving kindness. May I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be free from suffering.
simple repetition of the phrases or connecting and sustaining with the breath. develops concentration. Each time we return, reconnect, training the mind to stay, the awareness to focus. And now for the last few minutes, stop trying to concentrate. Allow your awareness to shift to mindfulness, present time, non-judgmental, inclusive awareness of your heart, your mind, your body, the sounds, images, smells, tastes. Make a vast, inclusive awareness. Not trying to focus the attention, but let the attention go wherever it wants. Choiceless awareness. Even if it wants to think about something, that's okay. Let the mind think.
could you um, sense any difference in this kind of instruction than where there's a more effort to say like, okay, let's really try to more, be more single pointed, just the breath, just the phrase. And then was there any shift for you at the end where you spend the last few minutes saying like, okay, now, now that I've concentrated for 25 minutes on whatever level of success, however many times I had to come back and come back and, and then open the awareness to mindfulness, present, inclusive. It's much easier to um, see clearly the impermanent nature of thoughts when you're concentrated and then you go to observation, inclusiveness, and sometimes you can just kind of tune into the third foundation and just watch like, oh, wow, I was ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And now that I'm paying attention, I can just observe uh, arising and passing of sensation, of emotion, of whatever's happening. So I'll remind you that, you know, we're talking about the life of the Buddha, the core teachings of the Buddha. And way back in January when we started this teaching and I and we talked about the Buddha left home seeking enlightenment and the first thing that he did was he went and sought meditation teachers spiritual teachers and he found two very highly respected meditation teachers and uh, mastered their technique and their technique was concentration meditations and he found he said i'm i'm looking for freedom from suffering i want to be awake i want to end the unsatisfactory nature the unhappiness the the suffering that 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 i experienced that we all experience he said when i learned the concentration meditations i got temporarily high <laughs> I got really concentrated. I experienced bliss. I experienced emptiness. I experienced temporary freedom. But when I wasn't meditating in that concentrative state, craving, aversion, self-centeredness continued. The causes of my suffering continued and concentration didn't. I wasn't able to concentrate them away because you can't stay that concentrated it's a rarefied state it's not a normal you, know, you can't walk around concentrated enough to avoid the craving the aversion the self-centeredness you can get there in meditation and it's great and a lot of us are you know kind of concentration junkies in meditation circles because we like that fix that we get from getting concentrated enough to ignore our minds and ignore the causes of suffering and have a, a, a temporary feeling of well-being. But the Buddha, and I really am I'm so grateful that he uh, carried on and, and didn't settle for the temporary fix of a meditative phenomena of concentration and said, I want real freedom. I want a freedom that I can live. And uh, he said, well, concentration didn't work by itself. <clears throat> craving continues. Craving is causing suffering. So then he spent all of those years um, saying, well, if craving is the cause of my suffering, then I'll just not satisfy any of my cravings, any of my desires, and did all of those years of extreme renunciation. And then he saw, like, even with that level of, and there's probably still a lot of concentration in asceticism in order to fast for months at a time, in order to live, you know, in that extreme uh, asceticism that he was living, you also you're concentrating. But he saw, oh, so that doesn't work. It doesn't, you know, you can avoid pleasure. You can put yourself in all kinds of painful situations but the self-centeredness and the craving is going to continue and it wasn't until and it's why mindfulness is so central it is the central 
transformative practice that is original to Buddhism. Right? He said, he said oh, with mindfulness, I was able to uproot, I was able to uncover, I was able to experience a freedom from the causes of suffering, not just an avoidance, but turning towards the craving, the aversion, the self-centeredness. I got to see how impersonal it was. When I was concentrating it away, I was still taking it personal. But when I turned towards mindfulness of it, I started to see it's not that personal. It's just what the human mind does. It's not my fault. And I don't have to believe it anymore. I don't have to suffer about it anymore. So then as he goes off, as, as we've been in this series, and he finds his friends and he comes to a full awakening liberation, it is a little curious, I think. Well, he had rejected concentration as a means to enlightenment. But then when he's with his homies and he's teaching them the four truths and the eightfold path, he includes concentration as part of the path. Because he understands that concentration by itself is a dead end. But the ability to concentrate when mixed with the ability to have open, like we did tonight, the concentrated mind turned towards mindfulness and open awareness and investigation has more precision to see reality and to respond wisely. He saw it's, a, it's, a, it's an important tool when conjoined with mindfulness by itself, not so useful. Not so useful, and again, it depends on why you're meditating. A lot of people just do concentration meditation. It's all they do. But it depends on your motivation. If you're interested in what we're doing and against the stream, if you're interested in Buddhism because you actually want to be as free as possible, awake, enlightened, liberated, I mean, you know, whatever that means, but as free as possible, concentration definitely has a limitation. It'll only get you so far. If you're meditating because you want some stress reduction, some relaxation, some, you know, instead of uh, having a glass of wine in the evening, you meditate to take the edge off of your stressful day, then concentration's fine, <laughs> right? Like if, if you just want a relaxation, if you just want to, you know, avoid some shit and tune out, Concentration's fine as what most people are doing in meditation, but it won't get us all the way there. So in our practice of the Eightfold Path, um, we use some concentration techniques, mindfulness of the breath. But it's so important, and I meet people all of the time that have been meditating for sometimes years, and when I ask them, what are you doing in your meditation, they say, I'm just paying attention to my breath. And it's a tragedy. Years into meditation practice, if you want to be free, to still be just concentrating on your breath. The Buddha's teachings on the four foundations are important to digest, to open to the feeling tone, to open to the mind to open to the dhammas, the truth of your experience. Because if you're just concentrating on your breath, you're limiting your freedom. You're limiting your wisdom. But it's a core place. And if you're new, it's where we start. Start with breath awareness. I think for my first couple of years of meditation, I didn't really hear the rest of the four foundations. I just heard the breath. And I did that for the first couple of years. And so like, you know, in the early stages of practice, it's okay. But at some point we have to shift away from concentration to more mindfulness. Now, the heart practices that we do, as I shifted, how was that for you to shift midway, 15 minutes of breath awareness and then 15 minutes of shifting to the loving kindness phrases? 
and seeing the similarity. Am I focusing my attention here on the breath or am I focusing my attention on these phrases? It's the same thing, focused attention. Choosing to pay attention to this phrase or to this sensation. Concentrating, you, you know, I, I feel like on the in the Eightfold Path, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's no, the Brahma Vihara is loving kindness, compassion, appreciation, equanimity are not on the Eightfold Path. They're not taught. They're teachings that come later in the Buddha's life. But when we look at the Eightfold Path, all of those heart practices, Brahma Vihara practices, are concentration meditation techniques. The way that we do them by reciting phrases or the forgiveness practice. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Concentrating your mind on these thoughts of forgiveness. Concentrating your mind on these kind thoughts or these compassionate thoughts or these appreciative thoughts. Part of what concentration does is create mind habits. When you uh, focus your attention on these kind phrases, I forgive you or happiness or freedom from suffering or appreciation, it creates neuropathways, it creates mind habits. Concentrate your, say it over and over. And through concentrating your attention there, not only do you get the benefits of concentration where it feels good right sometimes when you focus your attention on loving kindness or compassion or forgiveness you forget about everything else and you kind of get that benefit of the, the gathered attention the distraction from sometimes because in my experience especially in the early years doing the heart practices i wasn't very good at concentrating on them and so i would say um I forgive you. And then my mind would go off into the story of why, like, no, fuck that. <laughs> and then I have to come back. I forgive you. And then fuck that. And then over and over having to come back. But once you get to the place where you have more ability to stay with the phrases, and that might take some months or years of practice, then what you're getting is a concentrated mind that is learning to be more forgiving a concentrated mind that is learning to be more kind, more compassionate. It really depends on how you practice the phrases. If you keep it really kind of a, almost like a mantra, the way that I was guiding tonight, may I be happy, may I be at ease. I found myself even doing it with my breath, breathing in, may I be happy, breathing out, may I be at ease. Breathing in, may I be free from suffering. Breathing out, may And it was kind of this combination of total gathered attention just with the breath and the phrase. No past, no future, no plans, no memories. Just may I be happy. May I be at ease. Sometimes the way that I practice and, and even guide the Brahma Viharas, these heart practices, is a little bit more mindfulness influenced where you say, may I be happy? And then just rest in sort of mindfulness and see what happens. Take a couple breaths, bring some, you know, it's like a, a phrase and then mindfulness. And then may I be at ease? And then rather than quickly going to the next phrase and concentrating on it, more of a um, inclining the heart and the mind towards this and then an investigative, a mindful awareness. So. The Brahma Vihara practices don't always have to be concentration based. They can be these sort of suggestive, aspirational, uh, mindfulness infused investigations. So you can experiment with them in that way. The Buddha did talk about um, what happens when you get really concentrated. He says there are um, these absorptions that we call the jhanas. There are four material absorptions and four immaterial absorptions. He said at the first level of um, 
being concentrated, you become detached from sensual objects, detached from unskillful thoughts, uh, entering into the first absorption, which is uh, accompanied by um, a, a, a feel. He the term here is thought conception and discursive thinking is born of detachment and filled with rapture and happiness. Now, this is one of the reasons why people get addicted to concentration, because if you get that focus, then you start to feel rapture, you start to feel bliss, happiness, joy. You're like, I want that. And I'm going to keep meditating towards that. But as I'm saying over and over, the problem is it's not sustainable. You can meditate yourself into rapture. You can meditate yourself into joy. But then when you stop meditating, there it goes. <laughs> and you've just gotten high during your meditation rather than developed wisdom, rather than develop non-attachment, the impersonal nature of things. Uh, it's too temporary. It says the first absorption, that first level when you're getting real concentrated is free from five things. Um, when you enter the absorption, there have vanished the five hindrances. So uh, I think it was last week when the mindfulness, fourth foundation of mindfulness, part of what we're mindful of is the aversion and the craving, the restlessness, the sloth, the torpor, the uh, doubts. So when you get real concentrated, the hindrances can't get in. You've created, it's like um, you've created a barrier around your mind. And you're so focused on this that it's not that the hindrances aren't over here. You're just not paying attention to them. And you're absorbed in the breath or the phrase, concentrated. And so you experience freedom from the five hindrances. You experience freedom from lit, lust, ill will, torpor, sloth, restlessness, and worry. And there are... Um, rapture, happiness, concentration. Anyways, I've never really, you know, there's a whole explanation of all the concentration states. And I think I personally have a bias, obviously, I think, uh, against concentration that I got from mostly from my teachers, Ajahn Cha, Ajahn Sumedho, Ajahn Amro, Jack Cornfield, the whole sort of Western insight then um, tradition is pretty biased against, and especially was 20, 30 years ago in my formative meditative years, where they're like, don't worry about concentration. It's sort of a waste of time. Later now, a lot of the Western insight meditation are offering courses on the jhanas and concentration and has become a bit more popularized. Um, But I've never really studied the jhanas. I was when I was on a long retreat. I was on a three-month retreat a long time ago, twenty years ago, and um, I was having all of these experiences that are classically kind of um, talked about in the jhanas. And I was going to Joseph Goldstein. And I was like, you know, I'm experiencing all of this joy, and I'm experiencing all of this rapture in the middle of this retreat, and and my body is sort of dissolving into like tingling sensations, and sometimes I'm not even aware. You know, awareness itself is, and you know, later when I read the descriptions of the jhanas, I was like, this was classic concentration experiences. But the teacher, the, the you know, Korn, or, or Goldstein, who's like, you know, the master mindfulness teacher, uh, wouldn't even acknowledge it, wouldn't even tell me what was happening or how to work with it because of his own bias against concentration. So he just kept saying like, well, just be mindful of that. Isn't that interesting? Just keep being mindful of that. Um, and so I tend to also have that attitude of like, oh, that weird shit happens when you meditate, huh? <laughs> you get real concentrated and shit starts to dissolve. That's wild, isn't it? Pay attention to that. Notice that. Notice the impersonal nature of it. Don't get attached to it. Notice the impermanent nature of it. Don't get attached to it. Don't let your craving for pleasant experiences, get focused on your meditation.
So my sense is that in the next few weeks, um, now that we're done with the Eightfold Path, uh, we'll hang out here in concentration and I'll go into the Brahma Viharas and we'll do loving kindness next week and then compassion and we'll do some time on forgiveness and we'll go through the heart practices and have the next maybe couple of months of doing primarily these concentration-based emotional intelligence heart practice focus. Um, I think that would be an interesting kind of investigation for us. I think that's all I have to say about concentration right now. Any questions, comments, clarifications? If you have a question at home, you can, and it can be about concentration or anything else around the Eightfold Path that we've been discussing. You can raise your hand down in the reactions bar, or if you're in the room, you can raise your real hand. Go ahead and unmute yourself, the phone number there. Uh, somebody with the 312 phone number has your hand raised. You can un unmute yourself and talk if you'd like. Nope. Do you get a sense, is it clear enough what the difference between mindfulness and concentration is? Any clarifications about that? That's important, please. Mindfulness is more uh, wider, I guess. Maybe the simplest way to state it is inclusive versus exclusive. When you're concentrating, you're excluding a whole bunch of your experience, which is why it feels good. But when you're mindful, you're including it all. The difficult emotions, the thoughts, completely including your whole being in mindfulness. And the ultimate, when you're doing the four foundations, full present time awareness, nothing is excluded, no part of you. I think I fucked it up then because it was all coming when I was <laughs> trying to concentrate and everything was just kind of naturally in and creeping out. yeah but part of what we start to see is that awareness can be directed so the mind is still thinking the body is still feeling the sense doors are still processing the information the sounds and the images and but where is the awareness focused so the awareness can be focused at the breath can be focused on the phrases. It doesn't stop everything else. If you get very concentrated, you, it stops your awareness of everything else, but awareness can be directed. Am I thinking about the future or am I present with the breath? But it doesn't stop it. I don't think you fucked it up. That's the natural process. It comes in and then you choose, and did you try the counting? Uh, I was just, um... In and out. Yeah. And then there's, but there's, it, for me, I always feel like there's a, like a, a foreground background. Like the foreground is breathing in, breathing out in the background, the mind's still thinking. Sounds are still being processed by the mind. But the foreground of my attention is the breath or the phrase. Until you're so concentrated that like that, explanation is saying you will get so concentrated eventually that the sounds and the thoughts and everything else will really be way far background so you're not even aware of them but we're not even trying to get that kind of concentrated and you can't really get that kind of concentrated except for when you're on retreat it does experience as i was talking about i was on a three-month retreat you know, doing 10 hours of meditation a day, a month in, two months in, you start getting really fucking concentrated. But you can't really reproduce that in sitting for a half hour. Dustin. Um, yeah, thank you for this. And, you know, as you know, I've been shifting my practice to trying to transition to mindfulness, more mindfulness. 
And um, I had two questions actually. One is, what do you think about asking yourself a question like, okay, what wants to come up right now or something like that for mindfulness? It's okay. My other question was, um, how long can you read for? Me? You, yeah, when you do your reading. Like, how long do you, is a reading session for you? Like, usually on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, maybe a half hour or something. Oh. It depends, you know, it depends. I usually, at this point, I primarily read before I go to sleep yeah. at night. And, um, I, you know, it depends on how tired I am usually I'm only going to read for 20 or 30 minutes and sometimes I get really fucking into it and I'm up at two o'clock in the morning. I'm going like, what the fuck am I doing? I do not even want to be awake, but I'm so, you know, in, like into the, usually, usually Harry Potter. <laughs> I was talking about earlier how like, you know, I used to read these horror books and like literally this is before I was an addiction and I would get so absorbed in it. It was like a drug for me, yeah. you know, and I would like read the whole entire book for like a day. And then, you know, I got into drugs and that went away. But then coming back to reading like spiritual books and other stabs at like novels, you know, I can't seem to read more than like 10 minutes. Right. Like I got to set a timer for myself and force myself like, oh, you can do it. You can do it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly reading novels these days. Um, I mean, of course, I read some Buddhist books, but I'm, I'm talking about reading for pleasure. Yeah. 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 Not for education, for inspiration. There's a question at home, Ralph, you can unmute and jump in. Yeah, I guess I have some, I need some clarification. When um, we talk about the three lines for loving kindness, um, which you said is more concentration. And then I thought I heard you say, and this is what I need, clarification for to let's say uh may i and all other beings be happy and then rather than keep it as a concentration keep going through the lines you open it up to mindfulness that's what that's how sometimes i teach it and even like in the refuge recovery instructions i led a little bit more i think in some of the against some of the guided meditations that i've written um, I've brought a little bit more mindfulness of saying like, okay, now say the phrase and then see what, see what's happening in your body. See what's happening in your heart and your, you know, bring mindfulness to it rather than a strict, um, just coming back to the phrases over and over. So it can be used and traditionally in Theravada and Buddhism, they're considered concentration meditations, but the way that I do it sometimes, and you know, is that I kind of a little bit of concentration, a little bit of open investigation mindfulness you're direct you're still technically you're concentrating because you're continuing to give the mind direction you know say this check it out say this check it out say this um where really with mindfulness you're not directing the mind you're observing it so it is that kind of choosing what the mind's going to think about which is a little bit what Dustin was asking about. Like, is it okay to do that? It is okay to do that. Yeah. It's useful to do that. It's part, you know, investigation is one of the factors of awakening, you know, investigating. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. I'll see you this weekend. All right. Look forward to the desert. Yeah. Was there another hand in here? All right, I'm happy to leave it there. We can end a little bit early tonight. A um, couple of announcements. We have another day long coming up in July where we're doing the um, taking refuge and doing the five precepts ceremony and um, registration is open for that. It's on the website. So um, I think it's July 16th. That's a look. Yes, July 16th, uh, day long here. Um, join us for that. This class is done by donation, as it has been for the last 17 years or so on the west side on Monday nights. 
So, um, you know, we have this meditation center and all of the expenses uh, associated with it. Uh, and uh, we run on your generosity on the donations of the people who attend. So we want to include everyone. So everybody's welcome, regardless of ability to donate. Um, but be as generous as you can to continue supporting our uh, nonprofit meditation center. Um, it's thought that there's a quality of karma that we call merit that is developed by practicing and discussing the Buddha's teachings. May this merit be gathered and offered outward in all directions. May each one of us get as free as possible. And together, let's create a positive change on this planet. Thank you for your attention. And uh, see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.